Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13. Therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand firm or stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace in all circumstances or above all take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Our Father in heaven, do speak to us through your word by the power of your spirit for the strengthening of our hearts, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know about you, but this has been a week of battles. It has been a week of war. Uh, early this week, I had a conversation with somebody where, in which I was sharing God's blessing on a decision that we made some time ago, and he interrupted me pretty much saying, well, aren't you glad that we had that idea? And I paused and thought, it was my idea. <laughs> Don't try to steal the credit for my idea. Uh, I was the brilliant one. I, I, this was my idea. And, and there was this moment, I didn't say that. Well, actually, I did a little bit, but I, I backed off. There was this moment of intense inner temptation. It was battle time. It was wartime with pride and smugness and conceit. Then there was Thursday lunch where I met a new friend and found myself wanting to fill up all of our time talking about me and my accomplishments. It was battle time. It was time for war. Then there was Friday when thoughts about family heartaches threatened to overwhelm my heart and Fear for the safety of my children started haunting my mind, and it was battle time. And it was Saturday when I realized that I had overlooked a significant kindness that would have blessed another person, and uh, there was this mix of guilt and sorrow, and it was battle time all, all over again. And all the way along throughout the week, there have been battles with pride, with envy, with self-righteousness, with evil desires. Here's, here's something that I have noticed about me. I know, I know that it is an evil day. We have heard that read. It is an evil day. But what I've noticed is that I have a heart that is all too eager to go along with the evil day. That wants to join right in. And if you add to the mix that there is an evil one who knows how to entice, who knows how to work on our already sin-inclined hearts to make them want sin even more, we realize we need to stand firm in the fight by, by abiding in God's strength and putting on God's armor. The enemy is going to attack the enemy within, the enemy out there, and then that spiritual enemy, Satan himself, who inflames and 
instigates so much in our broken world and broken hearts. Remember, we said a couple of weeks ago, and Andy repeated it last week, that throughout Ephesians, Paul is, Paul is concerned that we live lives that are worthy of the calling we have received, right? We, we live lives that are marked by gospel security, all that we are and have in Christ. We live lives that are marked by loving unity, maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. We live lives marked by moral purity, Paul says, I don't want sexual immorality to even be named among you. Live lives of role responsibility. Husbands to wives, wives to husbands, parents to children, children to parents, bosses and workers toward each other. And live lives of mission intensity when we are on mission and we know we're on mission and we stay on mission. But the reality, Satan is the ultimate terrorist He tries relentlessly to blow up our gospel security. He tries to destroy our loving unity. He tries to compromise our moral purity. He tries to undermine our role responsibility. And he tries to diminish our mission intensity. We live in an evil day. We need both the strength and the armor that God supplies. So we saw last week from Andy that we need the breastplate of righteousness and the belt of truth. We see this afternoon that we need gospel shoes and shielding faith. Gospel shoes and shielding faith. Let me me summarize it like this. We need gospel peace with us for wherever we go. And shielding faith before us for whatever we face. We need gospel peace with us for wherever we go. And shielding faith before us for whatever we face. Let's look at those two needs in our lives. First of all, we need gospel peace with us for wherever we go. Verses 14 and 15. Stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth, put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Paul says we need the readiness given by the gospel of peace. So what what is this readiness given by the gospel of peace? Well, it's a readiness for battle. It's a preparedness for spiritual warfare that is produced by the gospel, that is produced by the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ, the gospel good news that produces peace. It's a preparation for war that involves a current, steady experience of the peace that we have with God through the gospel and the peace that we can have with each other through that same gospel. That gospel which is the good news of the Prince of Peace himself, our Lord Jesus Christ. This this is the gospel that produces peace. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. Jesus Christ was crucified for our sins. Jesus Christ atoned for all the guilt, all the shame, 
all the brokenness of our sin. And he made peace with God for us. Jesus Christ was buried in the grave. Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Jesus reigns as Lord over all. Jesus intercedes for us as our great high priest. Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit to empower us to break the power of reigning sin and set the prisoner free. Jesus is offered to all people, all nations, all ethnicities, and he's creating out of them all one new humanity, one new people that belong to him. And Jesus Christ is coming back. Jesus Christ is returning for his own. That's the gospel of peace. It's all about Jesus and what he has done and God and what he has promised to us through Jesus Christ. And Paul is saying we need to be readied by the gospel of peace. Now notice I said we we need gospel peace wherever we go. Why did I say that? Well, notice the piece of the armor that this is. It is the shoes. It's the shoes. And in battle, in warfare, especially back in those days, shoes were intended for two primary purposes, to stand and to walk or to march. They were intended to help soldiers stand firm in the heat of the battle and to move forward to advance their cause to advance their army's position to gain new ground. And it's interesting, Bible interpreters, as they look at this text, they can't make up their mind which one Paul has in mind. Is is he talking about shoes to help us stand firm, or is he talking about shoes that help us advance? And usually the interpreters will pick one or the other. I'm going to pick both, because I think in the context I can make a case for both. We need Peace of the gospel shoes, both to stand firm in the battle and to advance the cause of the kingdom of Christ. We need gospel peace wherever we are and wherever we go. Whether we're standing in the midst of a hostile satanic attack or whether we are going into the workplace or somewhere else to advance the gospel, we need peace of the gospel shoes on our feet. Can I, can I suggest, just to make this very practical, can I suggest three places where you're going to need gospel shoes and gospel peace? Number one, In the place of guilt and shame. In the place of guilt and shame. We we need gospel peace readily at hand whenever we sin. Whenever we are guilty, whenever we doubt God's love, whenever we fall short of the standard of God's law, whenever Satan the accuser takes our sins and throws them back in our face and says to us, God will never love you. God cannot love you because of what you have done. We need gospel peace. We need to know in that moment that we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. A peace that cannot be taken away. We have been reconciled to God. We have been made one with God through Jesus Christ. And Satan cannot disrupt that. Satan cannot steal that. Our sin cannot steal that. Nothing can take that away. We need gospel peace in the place of guilt and shame. 
We need gospel peace, secondly, in the place of conflict resolution and racial reconciliation. Oh, we need the gospel here. Back in chapter 2, we have been told that the gospel in Christ, you who were once far off, speaking of Gentiles, non-Jewish people, those that previously had been racially excluded, speaking of all of us, except for a handful. We were far off, but we have been brought near by the blood of Christ for He Himself is our, what? Peace. He is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in His flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandment. And He might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross and thereby killing the hostility. And He came and preached peace to you who were afar off and you who are near. For through Him we both have access to the Father. Peace. We need gospel peace for racial reconciliation. I'm here to tell you this afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, it is the only hope for racial reconciliation. It is the only way we get there from here. The gospel is a gospel of peace with God, yes, and with other human beings because the gospel levels us. The gospel puts us all on the same plane and in the same place. The gospel puts us all at the foot of the cross. The gospel says to us, we're all made in the image of God, but in Adam we all fell into sin and have fallen short of the glory of God. The gospel says to us that we're all in this guilt thing together. There's guilt to go around everywhere. The gospel says we all equally need Forgiveness and need to forgive others. The gospel says we all equally are unable to save ourselves. We all need the cross of Christ as our atoning sacrifice. We all have equal access to God through Christ. We are all equally sons and daughters of God. And if we are equal in the gospel at the foot of the cross, then there's no basis for self-righteousness. There is no grounds for prejudice. There is no grounds for superiority. We are equal in Christ. Equal in Christ. The gospel is the ultimate peacemaking. Oh, I was going to say weapon, but it's it's a happy peacemaking weapon. I don't know. (laughs) Um, The gospel reconciles us to God. And the gospel reconciles us to each other. That's why, as we look around here today, we see so many from, I think we're up to 18 ethnicities now. It is because of the gospel of peace. It is because we have peace with God and we all have it on equal ground. Equal ground. We, we need the gospel. We need gospel peace in the place of guilt and shame. We need gospel peace in the place of conflict resolution and racial reconciliation. And we need gospel peace in the place of mission and witness. We notice we, we're putting shoes on. Remember what Paul said in Romans 10? 
How beautiful are the feet of him who brings good news, who brings the gospel. I'm always fascinated by the fact that Paul identified the feet of the witness, not the mouth, not the tongue, not the lips. You would think, you know, he's speaking the gospel, speaking the good news. Paul says, no, not the lips, it's the feet that are beautiful. Why? Why the feet? Because the the feet went somewhere. They brought the gospel to somebody. They were willing to go. These were feet that were shooed with the gospel of peace. We, we need the gospel wherever we go because wherever we go, there are people who need the gospel. I, I was thinking this week um, of somebody in our, in our church who uh, I just, I just want to make sure you, you are aware of. Um, Gailey and I recently had the joy of sharing a special moment with Carrie Heisler. Where is Carrie? She's here somewhere. There she is. I'm going to ask her to stand in a minute just so you can see her and honor her. Carrie, Carrie just retired from 40 years of missionary service. She spent, let me, let me, uh, all right, I know you have, all right, hold it down. Give me a chance here. She, she spent, what, 25 or 30 of those years in other countries with Wycliffe Bible translators. Now think about this, helping to translate the Bible into other languages. She's been wearing gospel shoes for a long time. And she's retired from that kind of work, but she's still wearing the shoes. Still wearing the shoes. Carrie, would you put... I just want to make sure people know who you are. This is... We, we, we all need to wear gospel shoes. We, we, we need the gospel for where we are in the moment of conflict. We need the gospel wherever we go. And we need, to, we need to have boldness and confidence in that gospel, that it is the gospel of peace. It is the gospel of peace. Carrie told the story at, at her retirement party about a man in Zimbabwe named uh, Gambarambi. Gambarambi would sit by the side of the road smoking handmade cigarettes. That's just how he spent his days. And there was a Bible translator who had translated the New Testament into Gambarambi's language, and he really wanted this man to have a New Testament. And so when he told Gambarambi about this, Gambarambi told him there was no point in giving him the Bible because he would just tear the pages out and use them to roll cigarettes. So the translator was somewhat stumped for a moment, didn't want the New Testament to be used for cigarette paper. But he prayed about it, and he came up with this proposal for the man. He he told Gambarami that he would give him a New Testament, and that he could use the pages for cigarette paper, but he had to read the pages first. Sensing a, a very good source of cigarette paper, Gambarambi agreed to this. Fifteen years later, at a Bible society meeting in Zimbabwe, the speaker was Gambarambi. And he looked out over the audience and spotted the translator who had made that agreement with him 15 years earlier. And Gambarambi told the audience of that agreement, and this is what he said, quote, 
I smoked Matthew. <laughs> I smoked Mark. I smoked Luke. And I smoked John until I came to John 3.16. And then I could smoke no more. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. A message of peace with God shall not perish but have eternal life life. It is a gospel of peace. We need it wherever we are. We need it wherever we go. Paul says, put these shoes on. Never go anywhere without the gospel. Never try to stand without the gospel. We need the gospel of peace. And then secondly, we need the shield of faith. We need the shield of faith. We need gospel peace with us for wherever we go and shielding faith before us for whatever we face. Notice verse 16 of Ephesians 6. In all circumstances or above all or in addition to all that's already been said, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Take up the shield of faith. The shield that Paul has in mind here is a, is a Roman shield, a very large shield that would cover from the shoulders all the way down to the knees and very often was, was covered with a layer of metal or some other kind of material that would not only deflect the flaming arrows that were coming in the soldier's direction, but often would just put those, those flames out, would just quench the flames. And Paul says, take up the shield of faith. In other words, choose to believe. Choose to believe. We need a shielding faith before us, when we are assailed by the enemy, when, when the devil sends his flaming missiles and arrows in our direction, there is nothing, nothing that can so shield the heart and quench the, the piercing flame of those arrows as a fresh act of faith in the character and in the promises of God. We are not shielded by high-tech military gadgets. We are not shielded by some kind of invisible barrier. We are, we are not shielded by, by massive tanks or mighty weapons. We are, we are shielded by faith. We are shielded by a choice to believe in who God is, a choice to believe in what God has done, a choice to believe in what God will do for us in our Lord Jesus Christ. And we need this shield of faith before us for whatever we face. Because, Paul says, the enemy is going to shoot all kinds of flaming missiles and arrows in our direction. He's going to, he's going to shoot doubt in your direction. He's going to shoot fear in your direction. He, he's going to shoot rage in your direction and guilt and hatred in your direction. He's going to aim confusion at you and unbelief at you and anxiety at you. He's going to aim some hard circumstances 
in your direction. He's going to aim some trying times in your direction. He's going to aim some corrupt people in your direction and some fierce temptations in your direction. He has flaming arrows of every shape and size and pointedness that are poised and ready to be aimed in your direction. He is on the attack. And Paul says to us that in the face of all of this, whatever we face from the enemy, we need the shield of faith. And notice what he says, take up the shield of faith. It isn't going to just automatically levitate in front of you like some, you know, everywhere I go, it follows. No, you have to take it up. You have to carry it. You have to choose it and use it. It will not happen passively. You cannot wait for God to do this for you. God will do it in you, but you've got to do it. You've got to take up that shield. You say, well, how how do I do that? What what is the shield of faith? How do I take it up? Can I I give you again from Ephesians? This is what I love to do when I see a phrase like this. I see Paul say, take up the shield of faith. What I like to do in my Bible study is to, is to look back and see how Paul has made reference to faith in the chapters before so that I can get a sense in context of what he means by this. And in Ephesians, we see at least three ways in which we're to take up the shield of faith. First of all, we are to believe this every single day of our life that we are saved without merit. Is Ephesians 2, right? Verses 8 and 9. You know the verses. Well, by grace you have been saved through faith. And that is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. We are saved without merit. Without our own works contributing anything to it. You know, as soon as you put down that shield of faith, as soon as you start to think that you are saved by your merit, as soon as you start to think that your works actually save you or keep you saved, you're doomed. Satan has you right where he wants you. Because that is nothing but despair. I don't know if you've ever noticed this. We actually said it a couple weeks ago. The, The harder you try to be good, the more you realize how hard it is to be good. You know, because we have, there's just sin in us. It just, it's just there. And, and you, can, you can have, I was noticing this wall right here. What, what color do you think that wall is? Just for the sake of argument, call it white. Not quite white, all right? But, all right. but not really just white. You, you notice that spot right there? See it? It's not white, it's black and white. What color is your heart? See, I've got, it, I've got it mostly together. I'm mostly white. Well, mostly white doesn't count it, count and, and doesn't work in the presence of a God who is all white. The reality is that one sin makes you black and white. One sin makes you dark in the, and, and guilty in the sight of God. One sin means your, your record is imperfect. And if my record is imperfect, then I have no hope of being saved by my merit. But see, you're not saved by your merit. It's not by works, so that no one will boast. 
This is a shield of faith. You've got to hold this. You've got to pick. I, you, I need to live with it every hour of the day. No matter where I am, no matter what I'm doing, I've got to hold up the shield of faith. I am not saved by my merit. I am not saved by my merit. I am saved by the merit of another, by the worth and value and earning of another, Jesus Christ. This is a shield of faith. We are saved without merit. Secondly, we have access without fear. Here's a shield of faith for you. We have access without fear. Notice back in chapter 2 and verse 17. Chapter 2 and verse 17. He came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. Lost my way there. Peace to you afar off, peace to those who are near. For through him we both have access to one spirit in the Father. And down to chapter 3 and verse 12. In whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. There's the shield of faith for you. We have access without fear. We, we are saved without merit. We have access without fear. That means, friends, no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, no matter what you're facing, no matter how that day is going, you have access right there, right then, into the presence of God. You can talk to God and He'll hear you. The Father will let you into His presence through faith. We need to hold up the shield of faith. We are saved without merit. We have access without fear. And third, we are loved without measure. We are loved without measure, which we see in chapter 3, don't we? Verse 14, for this reason I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Paul says, I'm praying for you. Brothers and sisters, your pastors pray for you in this way often. That you would know that you'd be strengthened with power in your inner man, your inner woman, so that through faith you might know that you are loved without measure, that the Lord Jesus Christ holds you dear and near to his heart, that there is no height to it, there's no width to it, there's no depth to it, there's no breadth to it. It is infinite, an infinite and measureless love. This is the shield of faith. We are saved without merit. We have access without fear. We are loved without measure. Friends, what we're getting at here, and I believe what Paul is getting at here, is that we need to know what we believe and we need to hold our faith, the things we believe, Near and close. I call it the shielding effect of a creedal life. You know what a creed is? It's 
a statement of faith. It's a summary of things believed. I would argue that there is a shielding effect to a creedal life. Know what you believe and hold those things up and close and near when temptation comes your way. Know this and affirm it when the trials come. I believe that I am saved without merit. I believe that I have access without fear. I believe that I am loved without measure. There's a creed for you. Learn it and live by it, no matter what comes your way. And then add to it, I believe in God the Father, Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in His Son, Jesus Christ. I believe in the Holy Spirit that has been given to me and lives in me and is for me to change me and transform me. I believe in the promises of God. I believe in the character of God, that He is holy and righteous and true and faithful and merciful and kind and loving and forgiving of all of my sins. I believe in the mighty deeds of God, that He has done great things in the past. He is doing great things today. He will do great things tomorrow. I believe that there is, that the Bible is the Word of God in all of its words and in all of its parts. And what it says is true without error. And God's Word and God's law and God's ways are good. I believe that there is happiness in holiness. I also believe that there is holiness in happiness. I believe that Jesus is Lord. I believe that Jesus is coming again. I believe in the life everlasting. I believe, I believe that He will right all wrongs. All wrongs. So that I don't have to try to right them now. I believe we need to have the shielding effects of a creedal life where we, we know what we believe and we, and we are able to recite it to our own hearts. One of the greatest strengthening exercises in my faith in times of great doubt and fear has been to recite to my own heart the things I believe. Somebody asked me recently how we have endured so many trials over so many years. The simple answer was and always is because of what we know about God. Because of what we know about God. God is sovereign and He is good. He is in control and almighty and He's for me. And if God is for me, who can be against me? Know what you believe, Paul is saying, and preach it to your own heart in the face of Satan's flaming missiles that are going to come your way. He sends a missile your direction saying, you are filthy, you are dirty, you are guilty, you are full of shame. 
confess what you believe. I've been washed in the blood of Christ. And he comes to you and says, your kids are in danger. Or you're in danger. Somebody you love is in danger. Confess what you believe. My God has my children in his hands. And the enemy comes to you. And he accuses you. He says, well, you... No. God is the one who justifies. So no one can declare me guilty in his sight. He comes to you with whatever the temptation or fear or weakness is that he comes to you. Know what you believe and declare it in his face. And that's how you resist the devil and he flees from you. This, this is, folks, spiritual warfare is not primarily about exorcisms and demons. And, you know, there are, there are times for that. But it's primarily about wearing gospel shoes and holding a shield of faith and a breastplate of righteousness and the belt of truth and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying at all times that God will be with us. Uh, I know there are some here today who um, you're, you're just, it might be fear, it might be anxiety, it might be guilt, it might be shame. Oh, I, I, I want to offer to you the gospel, the peace of the gospel, the gospel of peace. I, I just want you to know, just want you to know if you're trusting in Christ, you are saved without merit. You have access without fear. And you are loved without measure. And may it be that God gives you grace today. And may it be that God gives you grace each day this week to hold up that shield of faith no matter what flaming arrows are coming in your direction. And to stand firm in those shoes. <laughs> stand firm in those shoes. And when God gives you opportunity, take a step or two in the direction of someone who doesn't know that gospel and share the gospel of peace with them. This is the armor of God. May we wear it and wear it to his glory and for our good. Let's pray. Oh, Father. Teach us that these are things not just for the head, but for the heart. These are things not theoretical or ab abstract, but things true and deep and transforming for the life. Bless your people, I pray, with your truth. In Jesus' name, amen.